we often will hold on to things because our ego says, Hey, this was wrong. Or I'm angry about that. And it's like, great. Feel all those feelings, empty out that cup and then refill it with all the things that you can be grateful for. And at first it doesn't feel like there's anything. Maybe it's just the sun's up. Maybe it's, you get to live another day, but eventually it really does free you. I'm Stephen Pesavento and welcome to the name your number podcast presented by the investor mindset. As someone who comes from a challenging childhood, I've spent my life seeking financial security, personal growth, and ultimately freedom. The freedom to not wake up worried about the next paycheck, but rather with the confidence of knowing that my passive income pays my bills without the need to think about it. When you name your number that you'll earn passively, that creates your ultimate quality of life, then I believe you've achieved real freedom. Welcome to my show. It's time to name your number. Today, I have Brandon Steiner in the studio. How are you doing today, Brandon? Um, awesome. Thanks for having me today. And uh, I like the mindset because it's everything. It's the foundation of everything. And as a guy who sold $50 million worth of dirt, you built a number of businesses, you exited, you had wins, you had losses along the way. I'm really excited to talk about that experience and that wisdom that you gained through doing so. So let's start off on on uh, on a note around one of the biggest challenges that you probably experienced was building a massive business, selling it, and then losing the rights to the name of the company. Tell me what happened and and what that was like. Well, you know, listen, you start a business with four thousand bucks and you build into a fifty million dollar you know empire and really a, a, a game changer for the industry. Taking a business and turning it into an industry was a challenge. You know, 30 years, it was a 30 plus year run. And, and, you know, it's exhausting when you just think about it, but it was also epic. Like, I think that, you know, I got a lot of emails when I got kind of pushed out and I had sold my company to a very big conglomerate. So uh, I, I kind of did make my own bed there. And, you know, you're always at risk when you sell your company and you sell your baby, even though they say they love you and they're going to keep you forever. And I did stay for 20 years after I sold it but you never know what's going to happen. It was very painful. But, you know, you get all these emails about motivation, you know, uh, you know, pick yourself up. You know, it's not what happens. It's not hard to get in. It's whether you can get up. And, but I think the best email I got was from a friend of mine, Susan Sly, who said, sometimes you got to blow up what you got to make room for the next thing. Mm. And, you know, behind every rainstorm is a rainbow, you know, all that stuff. But I do believe that. I think I think God gave me a lot of science to get the hell out of there because I want to do something bigger, better, different. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you work for a big company, things start to slow down. You're in more forecasting, more meetings. You lose your sense of entrepreneurship, too, which is what I felt. So mm-hmm. at the time when I, you know, it's hard to say Steiner Sports, know that I'm not part of Steiner Sports, but I knew I had something bigger and better to do. The question is, do I have the stamina at 60 to do it? You know, can I, could I get reinvented? Can I get re-excited about what I wanted to do? Because I knew what I wanted to do at the time I was trying to buy the company back. So when I tell people, it's like when you get a punch in the face, first of all, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It's freaking painful. I'm not going to sit here and make people, oh, yeah, no, no, it, it hurt. And there were days, you know, following that I had to pick myself up off the floor. And that was a successful day, <laughs> just getting mm-hmm. out of bed. But I knew right away that this was going to be something great. I, I did know that in the back of my head. I said, you know, God's, you know, God is, he's helping me. You know, it's like, you know, I, I didn't do it on my own. So he's like, I'm, I'm just pushing it out because I know you got something better to do. And so I am so grateful because I'm four years now out 
And this probably will be bigger than Steiner, which, you know, if you asked me four years ago, I was like, I hope that I can just get a new business open because, you know, you just had been a while since I opened something and started something brand new. Yeah. And then, so it's been amazing. And uh, the new company has been amazing, but you know, there's a, there's a moment, there's a moment when you spend your life building something, you literally develop new ideas, new products, new services. You listen to what the customer needs, what they want. And you've built that and you gave that to them and you attached your name to it. What was it? What, what was it like that moment that you realized that the, not only the company that you built, but your whole identity that was tied up in it was, was no longer yours. I was, I was angry with myself. Um, I, I was just angry with myself. You feel ashamed, you know, you feel mm-hmm. a little shame because you felt like I let my employees down, you know, they get, they get pushed out and, and I let my customers down because now they're confused and they'd invested so much in my brand. I mean, you know, this was not uh just, you know, you pick up a, you know, there are people that they're all houses is, is Steiner, you know, it was, it was my yeah. vision, my view, the players they met. So, you know, it was, it was, I've never got, I mean, I think what got me out of bed was I've got hundreds of emails. Like I've never sent the CEO that moved on from a company, a note that said, I want to thank you. You meant a lot to me. I'm so sorry yeah. to see you go. Thank you for taking all my money. I got hundreds <laughs> of letters, emails. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about a couple lines and that's where, where the loyalty was. And when I tell people, it's like, if you're in business and you're trying to develop a customer base, you're not going to be in business forever. But when you build a fan base, which is what I was had every intention of doing, that was what really gave me the inspiration is the customers I knew were going to be loyal and they were going to come back and they were going to follow my vision because I put everything into it. How they felt and when they opened up a box of stuff that I sent them and all the different things I would do for my customers. I was very hands-on as a CEO and I don't regret one day of that. So There's something really, up, really man? powerful about there's something super powerful about realizing that like you gave everything, you did everything you possibly could. And even though the business no longer was yours, I mean, you sold it, you made that decision and then it ends up, you know, falling through later on where you no longer have that control. And, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to pull it back, but I I bet it felt incredible to get those messages from people knowing that you made an impact on their life. And this is a challenge that a lot of people go through, whether it's the challenges of business. I'm I've gone through many of them where so much of who you are is tied up in that business. And then it's almost a point like like you are we're describing and you're experiencing where you have to realize like your identity is actually not the business. What 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 what's the lesson that you can share with others to avoid being in that hole that they can start, you know, having that self-discovery and awareness before they get there. I mean, it's, a, it's a slippery slope and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not alone when I go through this. The first thing I would say is there's no reason to do anything that you're doing. There's no reason to do anything you're doing without putting your all in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always tell people it's, it's, it's a love fest. You know, if you're in business with, and you have a, a service or a product you're providing, it needs to be a love fest and the customers need to be first. And if you're not like when I go to a Yankee game, it's there's no longer me sitting back having a couple beers. It's it's people yeah. all night, and I get that. You know what I mean? That that's the commitment you make. But I think you got to figure out, and I should have done a better job at this in separating what I do and who I was. And you know, I became such a large figure, you know, in, in my own right. I mean, and maybe in my own mind. But 
you know, I became a large figure because you're associated with a lot of big names, the Yankees, the Cowboys, Jeter, the, and, and you kind of lose a sense of yourself. And people don't look at you for like, you know, your brand is not to look at you. Oh, you're the guy that's the, but I always say like, I never wanted to be successful. I always wanted to be extraordinary, but even more so I wanted to be the only, you know, when people talk about me, I mean, there's not many people have done what I've done at the level I've done it at and for the length of time that I did it. So I'm grateful for that. There was a gift to get there. Um, I don't recommend it. You know, it's really important to remember what you do. It doesn't have to be who you are. Um, I, I've now created much more of that distance when I've created this new company. I've kind of tried to move away from everything being so hinged on my name, me, my personality, so I can enjoy my life a little bit more and give, give my family a little more peace about, you know, they, they've had enough of the Steiner the Steiner yeah. and athletes, you know, the athletes in the house. I mean, it's epic, but then it's so, it's so, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it got complicated. I remember my son saying to me, and I, I've been in so many games with my son. I've been in so many games, but my son said, you know, dad, it's not that much fun going to a game with you anymore. And I, I cried. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I understood what he was saying because we never had a minute where we weren't getting interrupted. And, and there's a million people that point at, you know, wanted to go talk to me. And in all fairness, if you become a little bit of a public figure, you have to understand that's the gift to get. You know, I've made a lot mm-hmm. of money. I did a lot. You know, if you're going to go and take all the fanfare that you, all the benefits, you got to pay the price. And I'm not going to sit there at a stadium and not service and talk to people that give me the opportunity to sit in the seat that I'm sitting at. But it's a really, it's a really interesting thing uh, as you get older. And I, one of the things that my third book, Living on Purpose, I talked about is that you have to prepare. I wish I had done a better job, but I was starting to prepare for the, unique success that you're planning on having and what you're going to do after it because it comes quick. And this is where you kind of grow, you know, you kind of grow yourself out of business and you get, you kind of work your way out of the business you're in and you have nowhere to go because you can't beat what you just did, but you haven't, you don't have a plan for the next step and you hit really high points. You've made a lot of money, but the whole point of making a lot of money and having a lot of success is to do something with it and use your influence to make an impact to help others and, and to do something that's going to make a difference and be able to enjoy your life. I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. <laughs> well, there's, there's such a great book that I'm reading and rereading called strength to strength by Arthur Brooks. And the whole point of the book and how this relates to investing in mindset, the whole point of the book is that in your life, you're going to be the best at what you do for a certain period of time, depending on the career you're in, And as you get later in life, you gain a different set of skills. You gain a set of wisdom. And maybe that strength that got you to be able to build the business or the career that you have created uh, is not going to be the same on that next chapter later in life. And I, I bring this up because I think it's so important for everybody, whether you're young, whether you're in the middle of your career, whether you're at a later stage of it to be aware that that change is coming so that you can prepare for it and be open uh, to what's next. Because as we're talking about creating the life you want, whether that's through investing, through business, through your career, you have to be aware of what those different chapters look like. And Brandon, you're at a point in your career where you made a lot of money, you had a lot of fun, you made a lot of impact, and now you're at that next chapter How have you gone about looking at sharing that wisdom that you created to help other people along the path? Because this seems to be a common theme as people move to that next chapter to be able to help the next generation 
move their way up. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of people just living a lot longer. There's another book called Transitions, which is another mm-hmm. great book. It's moments of time. But, you know, I'm working on a fourth book. Uh, I'm doing ride-alongs with police. And I'm writing a book about uh, living with a police officer and, and talking about urban policing and the difficulties of it and how we need to all adjust so we don't keep having the problems we have in inner cities like they're having now. That's causing a tremendous disruption in our country. Most importantly, causing us to have a little bit of a lack of the being safe. I mean, after your health and your family, being safe is critical. You know, you don't want your kids to go to school. You don't want to go get on a train and not be safe. And we need our police at their best. And we need to figure out how to get them to be their best at the same time, having people in, in these inner cities and these communities to be, be okay too. They, they, their voices need to be heard. So, you know, I'm out with police. I'm out in police cars in the middle of the night, driving around, seeing what the hell's going on. Uh, extremely dangerous, a little crazy, but I'm hoping I can come up with a compelling story that can make a difference. The other thing is, like, every I've been doing this for a while, but all my books, you know, I've written three. This is the fourth. And all my speaking, part of that money goes to different charities. At this point, this company, everything we do has a charity component. I can afford to do that. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm a good fundraiser. I'm not that great on the hands-on, like, my wife goes, she helps kids read. She goes to a food bank once a week. I'm just not good at that. You know what I mean? I, I'm, But I'm good at raising money for the food bank and getting them a bunch of, you know, truckloads of food. And so I'd rather go do that. I'd rather go help a lot of the athletes I've worked with. I'm trying to drive their charities. When I speak, I always incorporate a charity component as part of my fee. And but I think uh, what you're doing, what you're doing every time you speak, Brandon, you're sharing wisdom. I mean you made a business that was valued at $50 million. You sold $50 million worth of dirt. You built something that was extraordinary. And although you're at a new chapter, I mean, every time, even in the the little quips that you're sharing here is going to help somebody else move to the next level. So when it comes to deciding to go at this again, I mean, you've probably made it. Maybe you had a different expectation of how much money you were going to make. And I see you nodding along. So what is it that really gets you wanting to get back in the saddle and not just kick back and enjoy all the money that you made? You know, enjoying all the money you make. Like if you think I was waiting for this moment to do that, that would be very foolish because I don't even know where, I don't know what tomorrow's yeah. going to rank. So, you know, I'm not a money guy. Like I, I, the money, you know, I like winning the game. You, you make money to win the game. The game gets played in business. You want to win. You want to make money. Um, but, you know, after a while, you realize that money only, obviously money doesn't get you happiness, but it will decrease your unhappiness. It will decrease some of the stuff that's bothering you. I mean, I can go to a doctor a lot easier, get a slightly better hotel room, maybe get sit in the first class. But, you know, for me, like, I love the business. I love the business I created. I love the industry and the impact I've had. I love what I could do with kids, the impact of the stuff that I create and the things I do and, and the wow for kids, even if it's bringing players. I, I do a lot of kids stuff because that's how my mind works. Like an 11-year-old is enthusiastic, curious. Mm-hmm. So I love thinking like an 11-year-old and I love doing a lot of stuff for 11-year-olds, even though it's not the most money-making part of it because I always feel like that's my future customer too. So I'm always thinking like an 11 year old um, because, you know, once I once I feel like I've connected with them, it keeps me kind of fresh and it keeps me young. I like the business. You know, I, 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 I work really hard to be the best at what I do. And I think that when you work really hard to be the best way you do, the goal one day is not that not have to do it. 
when you're really good at it, you're, I'm really good at something, um, then I, I enjoy doing it because I'm really good at it. Um, but I, you know, I tell you the people that are listening out there is that it's really important to, uh, find hobbies. It's really important to, to, to differentiate yourself a little bit. And I've been trying, you know, I've been trying for like 15 years. One of the reasons I wrote my last book, I've been trying to find hobbies other than I'm really good at making money and I'm really good at the sports stuff. You know, I play guitar, play a lot of basketball. Um, I definitely have figured out a way to do more stuff like going to museums, concerts with my wife used to not be my favorite thing, stuff like that. To, to really distill that down in case anyone in the audience missed it. I mean, w- that belief is a really powerful belief. It's not about the money. It's about playing the game. I'm a guy who I love playing the game. I'm trying to learn hobbies. I'm a little bit younger than you, but I haven't really been focused at all. Everything's been about business. Everything in my whole life has been about business and it's been fun. But yet there's a part of me who you know had an experience a few years ago where I lost someone really close to me. And, and that made me realize like, oh, we don't know how long we have. And sometimes we can end up focusing all of our energy and things that don't actually matter. But when you think about it from that belief that I'm hearing from you, you know, it's the game, right? You're in it because you love playing it. And however you can keep playing it is the way to fully live your life to the fullest. But but here's Rich and here's here's where the high level of success gets you. Yeah. That really important, really important. It gets you. I don't do business with people I don't like. I don't do business with people that break my chops. And I don't do business where they're not going to appreciate the work, the creativity, and the services that myself and my company provide. Whereas before, I had a number to hit. If it made me enough money, I would suck wind. I'd do it. And I'd say, okay, I've just got to grind it out and do it. Now, I don't have the tolerance for it. If you break my chops, I'll give you a warning. And then next time I'm just blocking you and I'm saying, look, let me give you a couple of numbers to call some people that can help you. I'm not your guy. And I don't have any, I don't have a problem with it. Like, okay. Cause I'm making money for people I haven't even met. You know what I mean? It's not like, Oh yeah. wow. I just had, I go home. I, I said, honey, I had a great day. I made a lot of money. There's the checkbook in the draw. There's a deposit mm-hmm. slip. Uh, and can you empty the dishwasher and maybe walk the dog right now? Like <laughs> we, we, we can't go home and say, Oh, you know, honey, we have more money because our kids are going to the best schools. We have a great house. We have what we need. And, and matter of fact, the glass is now more than full. So, you know, for me, it's like the difference we can make is, you know, make sure that I don't come home aggravated. Don't come home upset. That's not allowed. That enables me to keep working. And I like that rule that my wife and I set up. Like, don't come home and start bitching. Then retire then. And that's fair. So I make sure that I keep everything really positive. And then what I do is, you know, I'm, I'm always got a charity angle on me because I know that even if things are not exactly perfect, I know that somehow somebody's getting helped out of this because yeah. that's why we're here. There's only two reasons why we're here. One is to grow, get better. So I'm still learning. I got a bunch of smart kids. I'm, I'm like one of these older guys that say, I love the young kids. They're smarter than me. They're a little lazy. Sometimes they need a <laughs> kick in the butt, but they can get shit done so much faster than me. And they always, they're, they're, they're inspiring almost, especially on the tech end. So, you know, you got to grow, you got to learn. I'm still learning every day. So that gives me happiness. And then also you got to, you know, you got to have gratitude. You, know, you have to increase your level of gratitude. I think that people get confused about gratitude and what that is, but happiness resides on the corner and the cross, the, the, the cross streets of happiness. I mean, uh, gratitude and growth. 
So for me, when I look at gratitude now, I say, well, it's nice talking to you on this pod, but there's a lot of things that are happening right now that enable us to have this conversation. And, and I spend more time now digging a little deeper on that. Instead of just saying, oh, we had a nice call. It's nice we got this computer thing that we're able to talk with each other. But now I know there's a lot of people responsible for even setting this up. Somebody introduced me to you. Somebody's going to take this thing and edit it. Somebody's going to post it. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that are happening. I'm much My level of gratitude is so much higher. And if anything, I'm just mad at myself for not even having a higher level of gratitude earlier on. But I can't fix that. But I don't let a day go by without thanking the people that enabled my day to be great today and, and, and really showing that gratitude. I think that's a really powerful way of, of thinking. You know, I always talk about growth, giving, and gratitude being some of the most important things to, to carry in your life. Because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's about those things that end up leading to more happiness. There's something else, a belief that I heard you talk about in a speech, and it was about enjoying the things that you used to not enjoy. Would you kind of tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I think, first of all, you got to learn to love the things that that really some of the worst things that's happening. You got to learn to love them. And I was going to say back to the beginning of the conversation, as much as I hated what happened to me at the end of Steiner, I've learned to love it. And when you get back and have gratitude for everything, which includes some of the worst thing that's happened to you, there's always gratitude. That's what's enabled me to go build like something that's probably going to be bigger than Steiner, which is way beyond my wildest imagination that putting this thing together now, I may have something even bigger than anything I've ever created. And I, I, and I give it credit for me finding, you know, gratitude for the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But I think what you got to mm -hmm. do is you got to look at the things. First of all, you got to know who's important. You got to know what's important. And you got to do what's important for who's important every day. And even if it's something that you don't like, you don't enjoy it, you got to learn to love it. My wife loves to go to the theater. She loves to go to the symphony. She loves to go to museums. I don't like doing those things as of 10 years ago, but I've learned to love doing those things because they're important to her. And if she's important to me, I've got to learn to love the things that she loves. I meet a lot of guys that, oh, my wife wants to go to that thing. I'm not doing it. I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. I don't want to go to the museum, some art museum. I don't, but my wife loves it. So I'm going to learn to love it. And I'm going to re reprogram my mindset because that's why I'm here to enjoy my time with the most important person. So I go into, I know you don't want to do this. I said, no, I'm going to go. Let's go. I won't go to Shakespeare. There's a couple of things I won't do, but you know, there's a lot more that I will do because um, I think it, I think that gets you out of the habit of just being the one dimensional person, which is, just the person who goes, I make a lot of money, so I don't have to do the things my wife wants to do or my kids want to do. And I've just learned to make the things that I don't like my favorite things and love to love and learn to love them. And I've also learned to love the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Now, like if you talk to me right after the thing happened at the end of Steiner, I'd be like, I was devastated, miserable. I wanted to kill those people. Now I'm like so thankful, grateful. Love them. Thank you for doing that. Appreciate it. I, I don't love losing my name because, you know, it's my name and I put my heart and soul into that name, but it's fine. I still got my name. People know who I am. And I've actually found a place. It took a while, but I found a place that could, could find gratitude. Uh, I, I find, you know, I, I forgive them. I give them mercy for having to do what they did the way they did it. But I'm good. Matter of fact, I'm more than good. Uh, and I And I think sometimes you have to say to yourself, like, Am I enough? Like, am I enough? Like, yeah, I'm enough. And it's been really fun going through the process. 
uh, on the latter part of this. At the beginning, you know, you got to dig down deep and you got to figure out what you're all about and what's important. And I definitely got on the wrong. I, I just got too deep. I mean, I was just so committed to my business, the industry, every minute of every day. And now I, I feel like I'm a lot more balanced and I feel like I have a little bit better perspective to maybe finish out my life in a much more balanced, positive way with the people that matter the most. And I got to tell you, I just said that in a quick moment, but that ain't easy. It's hard. There's so there's so much freedom in that. We we often will hold on to things because our ego says, hey, this was wrong or I'm angry about that. And it's like, great, feel all those feelings, empty out that cup and then refill it with all the things that you can be grateful for. And at first it doesn't feel like there's anything. Maybe it's just the sun's up. Maybe it's you get to live another day, but eventually it really does free you. There's, there's something that you mentioned. And I want to take a little side quest for my own personal benefit. I had the gift of having two loving parents that hate each other and got divorced and multiple marriages and many examples of bad relationships. So I've spent the gift that I received was I've spent, you know, the last 10 years of my life asking people who've been married for a long time, this question. And so I'd love to do a little side quest and and ask it to you. And, you know, other than this great advice to learn to love the things you don't enjoy, if you were going to go back and talk to a younger version of yourself, right when you were getting married with all of the years of experience that you have in your marriage, all the good and the bad, what advice would you give to that younger self when it comes to starting and holding on to, you know, a great marriage and a great relationship? Well, you know, marriage is, it's a Rocky, you know, it's a marathon, first of all, not a sprint and you need to approach it that way. But I mean, I just can't believe there's not a lot more condensed versions of how to be a better husband. It took me a while to really get committed to that, because I always wanted to be one because I grew up in a yeah. single family home. And, you know, you don't want to live in a mishmash where, you know, you can't figure out how to get your family together working right. But I think, you know, communication is so important and compromise is probably right there. Number two, obviously, with trust. But. You know, what I, one of the main things I've learned is that you have to schedule everything, assume nothing. So, you know, I sit down with my wife like once a week and I go over my schedule and make sure she's totally in sync with everything I'm doing instead of assuming that she's going to know. She knows mm-hmm. the nights I'm going to come home a little later. She knows the mornings I'm staying home. She knows the mornings I'm leaving at the crack of dawn. She knows when I'm traveling mm-hmm. a week or two ahead of time so she can make plans and she's just not home doing nothing. I've learned like to just share more of what's going on in my head. And I think that sometimes with guys, it's harder. Women are a lot easier to do that, but guys struggle sometimes to that kind of intimacy. But I've learned to schedule these things. Like I know in my mind, every Sunday, I'm going to go get my wife and I'm going to make sure I go over the schedule. And the second thing is when I go out with my wife, and this is not, I mean, this is just the best advice that I could give anybody. And that is I don't take my cell phone with my, when I go out with my wife. Whenever we go anywhere, and usually we go out many times, but on Friday and Saturday night, I never take my cell phone with me. And then we go out during the day on the weekends, I never take my cell phone with me. And I'm with my family, I don't take my cell phone with me. And I'm like, if I can't go find those four or five hours of time to get disconnected, then, you know, shoot me. Because Hmm. I don't care what you say. You bring the phone with you, you start checking, you go to the bathroom, you're under the table. And I think that's been the best adjustment that I made about 10 years ago is to stop 
with the damn cell phone. I'm a big, I'm on the phone a lot. My mom emails a lot. But when I'm out with my wife, she knows she has my undivided attention to talk about anything she wants. So during the week, she may have run some by me, blah, blah. But you know, she knows come the weekend or when we go out, anytime we go out for dinner, she knows that she's going to have my undivided attention for those two, three hours. And that's been a game changer for me. Yeah, that presence that you, you're able to get from that, I'm sure is really powerful. It's, it's, it's extremely important. And the, the other excuse that, the other mistake that I probably made a lot being a problem solver when you're a CEO and you're running a company is, you, you know, you want to solve all the problems. But mm-hmm. I think, with, especially with women, especially my wife's a very bright woman, a hell of a lot smarter than me, frankly. And, you know, when she comes to me with the problems, like, I, I had to learn to, sh- to shut up. You know, you're not, <laughs> she's not really asking for your help. She just wants you to listen. And I've learned now to shut up and listen. And until she says, what do you think? Or can you give me some advice? I listen, I sympathize, and I digest instead of trying to solve the problem, which most of the time my wife's probably more capable of solving her own problem than I am. But Chris, like I said, she's a lot smarter than me. But I've learned that, that you know, when your kids come to you and, you and your wife comes to you, just listening and not giving the you – know, I always think I'm smart. I can solve every problem. I'm a speaker. I've written books. I, I manage a hundred people. Like now in your home with your family, your intimate, you're, you know, you got to just be a listener and you're kind of a consultant. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. I feel like there's some really powerful wisdom for me to be able to take back home, but also I think for everyone listening. So to get off the side quest back on track, when it comes to you, your life, you've built, you know, an amazing business. You're in the process of building additional businesses. You've written books, you've done speaking. You've obviously made a lot of money from an income standpoint in these different places. I'm sure you built wealth from the business standpoint. What, what impact has investing made and what type of investments have you found have been in the best alignment for you to be able to build not only wealth, but also income from those investments? I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I love real estate and, and in the virus when I, I was just so focused on my business. I had so many opportunities coming at me. Those opportunities had a better shot of knocking me out than me actually grabbing them, running with them. And I mean, just yeah. because when you become a little bit of a name, people just want to be partners with you and they'll give you an unbelievable deal. Just yeah. say I'm partners with Brandon Steiner. And I just wouldn't pay attention. I was just so locked in when the virus hit. I started, you know, I did a couple of speeches for a couple of real estate uh, things and I just started getting into that. So I love the real estate game, the reoccurring revenue model, investing in, uh, investing in a couple of real estate offices. I invested in real estate in a mortgage bank, invested mm. in a radio station, invested in a mm. festival, you know, stuff that I, where I know the people, I like the people and I feel like I could trust them. They're going to run a good business. And, you know, you're not going to finish a shutout, but I, I love if you can find a good real estate partner that knows what they're doing, just like any other business, it's fun. I mean, because you, you go, you buy in, you, you sell out, you buy new stuff. Um, I, I find it very fascinating, the whole the amount of different things you can do with real estate. So I just happened to God took me there. And to give you an idea here, I didn't know that my new company was going to work. The virus happened really right yeah. after I started the new company. So, yeah, I'm working hard to build a new company, but... This guy, Kel Williams, says, you know, wanted me to do a speech. I did a speech. He calls me up the next day. He's like, I need to hire you. And I literally went into his office. We just hit it off. We just hit it off. And, you know, he's managing 2,000 brokers, uh, eight company offices in the New York Tri-State area. And I literally went to his office once and usually a day or day and a half a week 
for no money, no pay. Mm-hmm. I did a couple little talks. He paid me a little bit of money. I just sat there and learned and listened about the real estate business. And he was happy to share with me, bring people in. Brand, we got this deal. Look at this. Look at that. And I felt like that was, I mean, I, I do believe that people are placed here for a reason. And I felt yeah. like this guy was a really good guy. You know, here he is, invites me into the company. I'm doing some coaching for him. I'm doing some speaking. And here I am investing a year and a half, even on my level, with no money, nothing, just to learn the business, just to see how it works. And now here I am investing in real estate, investing in properties. So I tell people like, well, it's how it's never too late to be, you know, to learn something new, to get involved with something, especially when you meet somebody who's really good at what they do. Like you meet somebody like yourself, it's like, you're really good at what you do. You know, you're buying buildings, you're refurbishing. Like you get an opportunity to meet somebody like you and the opportunity to partner up on some things. It's a blessing. Never take it for granted. When I meet somebody that's great at something, whatever it is, I, I know that's a blessing. And I never want to take that for granted because not everybody's great at something. So when you meet somebody that's great at something, you know, it's a ride. And that's what I did. And so I like the real estate game. I think it's worth putting some of your portfolio in that. Uh, what is it I that you, what is it that, what is it that you, and then I want to hear what, what else do you invest in? Obviously I'm sold on real estate. I've dedicated my yep. career to it. What is it that you have found that, that really lines up for you? I mean, you've been a business guy, you've sold a bunch of products. It's all been about, you know, incremental profit over a long period of time. What, what attracted you to about real estate? I like the upside. I like the recurring opportunity and also like the, it's not the minute to minute grind. You know, you gotta, I, I'm a builder and I like to look forward. Um, I don't mind talking about something right now with you. That's going to happen five years from now. That doesn't bother me. So Brandon, we're not going to make money for five years. That's right. But in five years, here's my plan. We're going to kill it. Love that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to make money today on something. Let's build something over the next three, four years. And boom, love that even more than anything. And mm-hmm. I like that with real estate. You could do that with property development. You could do that with certain investments. I'm not, I'm not a big like, real estate flipper. You know, I don't like to buy and flip, buy and flip. I, mean, start, I think people do really well on that. But yeah. I've, I've invested in some properties that I trust. I've partnered up with my daughter on some properties in Austin, my other son in, in South Dakota. Yeah, I just, you know, I like I like it and, and it's fun. And, and you can kind of get in and out of stuff, you know, and, and then you can yeah. leverage that stuff. All the stuff you read about and watch on these videos, they're true. You can invest some money make a little bit of money, then leverage that out, buy more, you, you know, you can build wealth and it's a fun game to play. Um, and it's, and you know, I'm playing with a guy that is really, I, the two people I'm partnered up with on the real estate are really smart and I enjoy that smartness. Yeah. It's so key. Something you, you mentioned is the people, right? It, you're investing in those people who have that experience. They happen to be doing that specific strategy or that specific investment product. But at the end of the day, you've got that trust in those people and you're going to put your money behind it. And as a result, you know, not everything's going to be blue sky. There's going to be chances or opportunities where things don't go well. Maybe you break even, maybe you lose money, but if you do enough deals, it always will come out where you're going to be making a profit. And as long as you're doing it with the right people, you know that it's being done well. I, I agree. I mean, I, I just think you can't, get yourself too crazy. You know, you invest in things that you can always afford to take the loss. You know, I don't like making investments. That's going to, you know, that's going to take my heart out. You know, I lose sleep. I, I always make investments in things that I can afford. I'm enjoying the potential upside, but I, I could deal with the loss if it happens. 
And that's, that kind of keeps you kind of sane, Frank, that I, I see people invest their life savings. I mean, I did invest my life savings in Steiner. I mean, it came to a point in time, like, I had to put everything on Steiner. If it didn't work out at this particular moment of time, I would have lost everything. I think there are points of time when, you know, you bet on yourself. And But, you know, I think when I get to outside investments, you know, I have a stay rich, and then there's the get rich kind of program. And then I take some of that money. That's my, okay, let's play around. Let's Let's see what we want to do. I'm not a huge risk taker, but I, I, I'm more about investing in people. And it's been fun. I mean, business is supposed to be fun and it's gotten difficult. Business out there is difficult for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, and there's been a lot of challenges and more changes than ever. But I will tell you this. I've never seen more entrepreneurism uh, in the wings, the young ones especially, but all the way through. We're, we're about to, we just dealt with more change than we've ever dealt with and more coming, which means more opportunity more ability to take that change and make it better. I would say you don't want to be an inventor. You want to be an improver. So whenever mm. you see change, there's people that are inventing all kinds of different ideas, but you can improve once those ideas pop in. And that's what I see this next generation doing. The baby boomer generation, they did a lot of good stuff, but now there's room to come up, clean up behind them and improve a lot of that stuff and make it a lot better. And that's kind of like the excitement I see now in this country my one thing I'm nervous about is that there are more small businesses closing than mm -hmm. opening in this country every year. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important we support small business and realize that that is the backbone. A big part of the American dream is being able to open up a small business. So we can't get too caught up in some of the big dogs and making sure we support the guy down the street um, because that those are the, those are that's what this country is all about. And, that's where I started, you know, a small little guy. And, and so I, I try to keep that kind of balanced mindset. Um, I think we all need to support entrepreneurism more than we do. You know, not just do what's easy, convenient, simple, fast. But there's something to be said about being loyal and supporting what's going on in your neighborhood, supporting the guy who lives next door. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And to be honest, Brandon, there's so much more I want to get into. You've got so much wisdom and I wish we had hours and hours to uh, to dive even deeper. Before I get into the last question, why don't you share with the audience how they can follow along? You've got a very active social channel. You've got a lot of books out. What's the best way for people to dig more into Brandon? Um, you can dig into Brandon on LinkedIn. I'm loving LinkedIn. I answer all the messages. You just follow me. Um, you can get my Facebook or brandonsteiner.com. It gives you all the information. My book is free on collectibleexchange.com. If you have anything you want to sell, buy, sell, go on the exchange. And if you need to find out what you have and what it's worth. But, you know, I mean, I'm easy, I'm easy to get a hold of. And I usually try to respond. I want to finish on one quick story, if you don't mind. Please. Do you know, you know who Jack Taylor is? No, tell me. Jack Taylor is the uh, founder of Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Now, Jack mm. Taylor was in the Navy, named Enterprise after the uh, Enterprise, which is one of the boats he was on. Mm. And he, after he got, when he got out of the Navy, he went to go work for Cadillac dealership. And he realized that a lot of people were coming in because they had a problem with their car. You know, it was broken or got into an accident. So he asked the owner if he could rent out his, he'd buy four cars and lease out the cars when people needed a car. He started with four cars, went to eight, went to 12. And then obviously, uh, you know, Enterprise is bigger than the next three biggest rent-to-car agencies all combined. He wow. may, they may be bigger than all the rent-to-car agencies combined. Bigger than Hertz, Avis, Budget, add them all together, Enterprise is bigger. But what's shocking about it is, and this is what I love about this story, that is, do you know what percentage of people 
they just go to the counter and rent out a car at enterprises of their overall business. You know, no. tourist comes in and off the airplane, you need a car, you're in another. It's only 15%. Mm. 85% of the people that go to enterprises replacement cars. They're at the collision shop, insurance, they recommend enterprise. You go to a dealership, your car's all messed up. They say, so whenever you go to any of these places, you'll see the sign for enterprise. 85% of a rent-a-car business is with replacement cars. So when Jack wow. Taylor got into the business and there were other rent-a-car agencies, he didn't look at his business as a simple, well, people go get a car and rent it. He got his head on a swivel because riches mm -hmm. are in the niches. And he found a niche that was completely different from what everyone else was doing. And he killed it. Mm. I mean, you're talking about a $30 billion company, still family-owned. I mean, I love that because a lot of times people dummy down the business they're in and they simplify. So oh, I'm just doing insurance. You know, I just, I'm just a broker in real estate. Well, no, no, no. Get your head on a swivel. There's another way to look at your business every day, twice on Sunday. If you take enough time and study the business and what's going on around you, there's always another angle. I know the interest rate's a little high right now. If you want to go home and cry about it, go ahead. But when the waters get rough, the sharks keep swimming mm -hmm. and the guppies die. The sharks find a way. The people that are in the business to win and compete, they get their head on a swivel and they think about a different way to do it. So I asked the people out there, it's like, that's the simplest story as you get a rent-a-car agency who doesn't really rent cars on a day-to-day -day basis. That's not where most of the revenue comes. But he figured out a way and he went after it. And he's the number one worldwide rent-a-car agency. There's no reason why you can't look at your business, whether it be real estate, insurance, whatever it is, and figure out another way to do your business and completely blow it up. Those opportunities are there. And that's the beautiful thing about the business in this country. And that's why I looked at my business. when I, If you go look me up, you'll see I didn't look at the collectible thing the way anybody else was looking at it. And hence, you know, what an opportunity, what an epic run. What great advice about business. What great advice about life. So much wisdom. Brandon Steiner. Go to brandonsteiner.com to find out more information. Get his books. Go follow him on Instagram and LinkedIn. Thanks so much for joining me, Brandon. I really appreciate it. I look forward to the next time we get to spend some time together. Thanks for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. Hey, this is Steven again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is the Insider's Newsletter. Would you enjoy getting a single email every week with some of my favorite things, including tips and strategies on how to get the most out of your life and your investments? Basically, what it is is some of the coolest things that I've discovered or am pondering when it comes to life, investing, and business delivered in a short email every week to your inbox. Easy to sign up for, easy to cancel. If you'd like to try it out, type into your browser, investormindset.com newsletter to get started, and you'll get the very next one.